This is Paul Docampo with realestateaudios.com and this is another expert interview series bringing you no fluff inside information showing you real practical skills and knowledge needed to succeed in real estate investing today. All right, today's interview is with the high-performing flipper listing agent and my good friend Michael Nugent. Michael is a source of inspiration, and that's because he was an immigrant who spoke no English at all when he first got here from Peru. But today he has a pretty successful real estate business and an agency doing multiple deals a year here in Southern California. If you're not from Southern California, just know that it's a highly competitive area for both agents and flippers. So Michael here is prepared to spill all of his flipping secrets, his unique stories, his expert tips of 17 years experience. So in it, you're gonna hear the exact number of Michael's first flip and how he did it, a walkthrough for a typical deal, how to deal with contractors, crews, and handyman, how he uses direct mail, if his real estate license hinders him or benefits him, what Michael would do differently 10 years from now, what his biggest regrets are, his best advice for those just starting out, and much more. So, let's get to it. You're from Peru, right? You came out here when you were a teenager? Yeah, I came here when I was 17 years old. I didn't speak a lick of English, so I had to go to, to school to learn it, and I would go to night school with my mom to learn it even faster. So did you start investing right after you got your license? No, it wasn't right after. It was actually a year after I got my license that a friend of mine gave me a phone number of a lead, and she told me this, you need to call this guy. He has a house in Riverside that he just inherited. He doesn't know what to do with it. He can't afford to pay the taxes on it. This could be an investment for you. So I went, called the guy, set up an appointment, and then I purchased the house. I asked him how much he wanted. He told me $80,000. I did my comps really quick, and I said, sure, I'll buy it. So that's the first time I purchased something. Of course, I didn't have the money. I only had like just a couple thousand dollars to my name. Being that I just started in real estate, I haven't been saving that much money. So I ended up having to, to do a HELOC on one of my mom's properties to pay for the property that way. Would you ever do that again to or recommend that for somebody starting to do a HELOC to flip a property? Well, you know, the numbers need to make sense. It all depends on how much you're going to get in return. Back then, I didn't know anything about anything regarding real estate investment. So I just went with the flow. I knew the property was worth about somewhere in the mid 200s. So I knew I had some room. So I felt comfortable doing that. So I told my mom, hey, look, I'm gonna, I'm, this is what I'm doing. I'm, this is a HELOC on your house. I only need $80,000 and then I'll pay for that interest that you're paying. And then I'm gonna give you a percentage of what I get when I sell this house. And she agreed. And that, that obviously profited well for you. Oh yeah, at the end of the day, I ended up selling it for $310,000. And remember, I purchased it for 80,000. Then it cost me about 60 to $65,000 to rehabilitate it. I got ripped off by this contractor that I would only pay in cash. And then one day he decided not to show up anymore. So I had to find someone else. Speaking of contractors, I've always had issues with contractors. Well, how do you how do you deal with them? How do you find contractors? How do you manage them? 
I've gone through so many handyman license contractors and license contractors is a joke. But I think that just like in real estate sales, hiring a good match, a good contractor is a contact game. I, I would come through, I would recycle so many of them, word of mouth from the painter that, hey, this guy is really good. So I try him out. That's pretty much how I found this guy that I'm actually working with. I do have two crews that I work with right now, but I can honestly tell you that I probably work with about 15 or 16 different contractors. A good quality of a good contractor that I have become to now understand is the number one is they show up before you get there. And then they'll take notes when you're showing them the project. They'll go ahead and will not ask for any money up front. You start the, the project and usually starts off with demo, right? And then once they do that, then you go ahead and pay their week. That's amazing advice right there. Do so you have a team in place today? Yeah, I have two teams in place today. I was forced to do this because I also deal with a full-time real estate sales office. So I, I couldn't play foreman and subcontract everyone, which I've been doing for a long time because I could not find one good guy that could do all that for me. Additionally to that, I, I would have to do all the shopping myself, go to Home Depot, Lowe's, Lambert places, um, appliances places, jump or offer up or, you know, Craigslist to just find deals on material. And now by knowing this one, these two people, uh, these two contractors, I, I just eliminated having to do all that so that I can focus on what I do best, which is, you know, finding deals and negotiating deals. You don't give any money up front to them? No, 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 no. Everything is pretty systematized. Uh, they go to Home Depot. I have two credit cards that I use. They're both business credit cards. One of them is a Home Depot Pro member credit card, and the other one is an Inc. Chase card that I use because the points are great. So now my family and I fly everywhere for free because you know we charge so much through it. And once you place those two credit cards in place, uh, through Home Depot, you name a certain project before the actual project starts, and then you give orders to to just go ahead and text me whenever my guy goes in to pick up the the material. Do you own rentals today still? No, no. Right now, I I, I sold them all in 2017 because we were doing the math. By we, I mean my wife and I, and uh, we realized that we were making a lot more money doing the flips than to holding the rentals. So, and we have become really good at it. We know what people like. So we do the flips in a certain way where I know we will sell it at a hundred and plus percent from the listed price in a very short window. So that's what encouraged us to, to sell the rentals and use that cash to add on to the capital for the flips. Is there a formula you use for for buying these? What's your here? You know, you always hear on online seventy percent rule, seventy five percent rule. Out in Southern California, what have you found works for numbers? Well, before it used to be almost fifty percent spread that you were looking for. Right now, you're looking at at least thirty percent. What the number is, for example, 
it's just easy math. If I go and see a, a potential flip, I need to understand, I need to see that there's at least a $100,000 cushion. That may not sound like a lot because of that competition out there and the fact that I don't like my money sitting in the bank for very long. I just go after that because I know on an average flip, if there is a $100,000 spread from purchase to sales price, I know that I'm going to have to pay my contractor and materials on average is about $50,000. Okay. And then in, in resale price, escrow and all that stuff, I'm going to spend another $12,000, dollars 12 to $15,000. So the remainder there is what I keep which is usually, you know, $35,000. On average, sometimes I make a little less, sometimes I make a lot more. Uh, right now I have a flip that I'm working on that the numbers are showing a return of about $55,000. It's one that I picked up for two ninety two. dollars After it's done, it's going to be worth $410,000. you doing listings as well? Oh yeah, man. We we are listing machines. We uh, you know, I've been in the business since 2002. So uh, when I first started, I, I was the buyer's agent mostly, but eventually those buyers that I helped became sellers, and then we became listing specialists that way. So right now we we average about 40 deals per year, and most of them are listings. Finding your, your flips, you mentioned to me in the past MLS, is that, is that a, a solid uh, method for you to find deals? Oh yeah, the MLS is the multiple listing service that every agent uses to upload their new listings. So we, we found those deals through there. When I first started it was in 2003, but then in 2004 and five were just too crazy to buy anything. I mean, prices were going up weekly, so you couldn't really flip. So after the crash in 2008, I restarted on flips in 2010. So most of these uh, flip opportunities we found on the MLS because there were a lot of short sales and REOs, which means a foreclosure, a house that was repossessed by the bank. So we would come across some juicy deals that we were forced to buy because the spread was crazy. Uh, so yeah, the MLS is the number one. Not so much nowadays, but I still manage to to find some good deals. Like for example, the the one I, I just told you about, the one I that I'm picking that I picked up for two ninety two, two hundred ninety two thousand. I found it on the MLS. It was listed for three hundred and fifty thousand. The first day that I came on the market, I sent the agent an offer for two hundred ninety-two, just to net the seller more money because obviously I'm lowballing them by fifty-eight thousand um, dollars. I credit my commission back. They were offering a two and a half commission, so I'm able to do that because I'm representing myself as the buyer, and uh, that made the deal sweeter for the for the seller. Not only that, but the, on the description, on the MLS, for only agents, there is a agent's remarks only area. And on it, he read that the seller was going to be uh, removing this huge tree in front of the property that is totally jacked up the driveway and then replace the concrete, which I know the price would have been at least $20,000, but my price is probably going to be about seven or 8000 so I tell them, do not worry about that. I'll take care of that, and uh, we'll go from there on. 
And on top of that, I also offer the sellers to pay for their closing costs, their escrow and title, because, you know, I have a special relationship with my escrow office. So they, they reduce my fees because I, I give them a lot of value. That just made an irresistible offer for the sellers. And I was cash. I'm cash. So I told them I'll close whenever you guys want. And at that time, when I offered, they had a tenant that has been living there for like 20 years, I think. And um, they needed a long escrow to facilitate the transition out for the tenant. So I was able to say, yeah, no problem. Is that so is cash your still your primary means of funds? Oh, yeah. Cash is my primary means. of. Sometimes if the deal has a good enough profit margin, I'll bring an amount of cash, then I'll bring other investors in. Other investors is just like a circle of three other people that I know. They know me, we're friends, and they trust me with their money. If I run out of those funds, then I go to my hard money guy. But I try not to use him because, you know, hard money is just kind of expensive because you're paying like two to three points. And then you have uh, an APR of 10% fixed for 12 months. So... MLS right now, people talk about SoCal and any other hot market. You don't find deals, but you're obviously finding it today still. Yeah, it is MLS, and I, I also do direct mail. Uh, direct mail works. Word of mouth is huge. I know other agents that know to call me whenever they get a pocket listing, and they know it's going to be a headache to deal with it because they have tenant or it's occupied. I mean, it, it has a bunch of stuff in there, and they can't even take pictures of it, so they call me. We put a deal together. Lately, I've been using wholesalers. Wholesalers are everywhere. It's an epidemic of wholesaling right now so sometimes and by sometimes i mean like one out of 30 deals they'll have something that is worth giving it a shot and do you think that the your your license has benefited you oh totally man because i mean as a licensed realtor and member of i have access to the mls i have access to pocket listings within I get to tap into what comes into the market as soon as it comes into the market. I have the knowledge to comp it. Uh, so yeah, I, I would say it's, it's an advantage to be a licensed realtor. So it only makes sense. You are finding some deals with direct mail. What are you doing with direct mail that, that works with you? Well, you know how we have this full-time real estate office. Um, every time we list a property or sell a property, I contact my title rep through lawyer's title. And she introduced me to the idea of promoting my just listed, just sold to the most likely to sell a house owners within the area that I just sold. And they have some sort of formula um, that is a combination of how many years those people have been living there and how much equity they have on it. And then they come up with whatever numbers I ask them either 50 to 250 or a thousand depending on on the listing so i get that list and then i go through a company called corfax and then i modify a flyer that sends just listed just sold postcards to this intentional list that i just got from my title rep just promoting my listing and just letting them know that we're not only a, a real estate listing service we always buy houses for cash can close in 10 days as is so sometimes that motivates people to pick up the phone and call us 
Another software that I use is Rebo Gateway. If I have my antenna on a certain geographical area or farm, which we call farm, will be like a group of a thousand houses that are carefully watching because I know that resale turnover is above seven percent. So meaning that seven percent out of a hundred houses is selling. I am able to put those into the system and. This software, Rego Gateway, is able to notify me whenever somebody gets a notice of default, a tax lien, a divorce, a death decree. So as soon as that happens, it alerts my email. As soon as I get that notice, I go and drop off something, a postcard, a card, a letter, telling them, hey, buy house's cash. So you're focusing in one area then? Um, no, I, I focus on, on a bunch of little neighborhoods here in Riverside, and then usually it's the older neighborhoods because I'm, I'm interested in mostly flips and, of course, listings, too, if I'm not able to get the flip. Just advertising my services and just letting people know that if they do not want to deal with the hassle of paying a broker's commission or listing their home and have to deal with the anxiety of having people coming into their house and having to spend money to have their home look great for people, then they have another option, which is a cash offer that obviously will not be market value. It will be under market value, reflecting whatever repairs. So you, you go up to the seller and they know you're an agent. You give them an offer, a cash offer. How, how low are we, are we talking about here? See, for example, I'll go to a house. Somebody will call me. They'll give me the address. So I'll run the comparables on the house. I'll run a comparable on a rehabilitated home. That's a value that I'm paying attention to. So if I go to this house and I run the comps and realize that after I'm done with it, I could sell for $410,000. Then when I go to the property, I know that the most that I'm going to be able to pay that seller is going to be about $310,000. Obviously, sometimes I end up paying less because some houses are worse than others, but I need to have at least that spread. My contractors, on average, they charge me $20,000 a house. That's on an average home. An average home is a three-bedroom, two-bathroom, 1,400 square feet in labor. Everything else goes out on material. About double for material, you think? We spend about the same amount on material, maybe another twenty, twenty-five thousand dollars $25,000. And then the remaining goes into the yard. So you're looking at about forty to fifty thousand dollars in rehab costs. Oh yeah, on average it's fifty thousand dollars right now, only because the material cost just went up so much. A lot of these contractors they are knowledgeable about it, and they they try to be cool on their fees. Not only that, but I mean the reason why they they are charging me, I think what is fair, because number one they're making twenty thousand dollars in in three weeks, maybe four. But then I'm feeding them one flip after the other one, after the other one, after the other one. And if there, there is no flips going on, then I have a client of mine or 10 of them that need a new roof, need a new window, need a new driveway. And, you know, I always have people calling me, hitting me up on Facebook, Instagram. Hey, who do you know that can do this? So I keep them busy so that when it's time for them to take care of my stuff, they're available when we close. For more audio interviews, tips, and articles, go to realestateaudios.com. 
let's you know let's talk about the market that's 2019 right now and you're doing a whole lot of flips a lot of people are talking about a dip or recession um, so what do you think the market's going to do and, and how does that affect your strategy well you know everybody asks that question i mean it's a it's like it's a loaded question and as you know we live in socal and the real estate is so volatile it's just crazy it's uh one day it's one thing and the next one is a whole different thing um just to give you an example of what happened in in december 2018 not too long ago it was just like what eight months ago where all of a sudden properties stopped selling buyers stopped looking and for the month of december we went from like a total seller's market into a market into a buyer's market in a matter of days that lasted one whole month and in, this is in so-called this is in in orange los angeles riverside and san bernardino county where we across the board experience a bump down a reduction of twenty thousand dollars on any given home because you know i mean there's people that need to sell and they're just gonna have to sell because they have like a job relocation or, or somebody's sick, they didn't have money, so they need to get out. And for some reason, houses were just not selling as quickly as they usually do. Did that pick up at all? Oh yeah, man, it's like, it's Christmas and, and New Year's is over and January is like the market just woke up from a 30-day coma. And then, you know, it was back to normal, so everybody's like, smooth sailing all over again but i think it will remain strong until at least i want to say january 2020 just due to the drop of the mortgage rates you know the, the rates have dropped i mean if you have great credit i mean you could hook up with a 3.5 you know mortgage rate on your loan uh and not only that obviously you know there's uh a big amount of qualified buyers that want to replace the high rents with uh, with a mortgage now. And overall, it seems like the economy is, it seems to be doing well. You know, it's in good shape. Uh, unemployment, thank God, is pretty low and consumers are spending. It, it, it honestly here in, in Cali, it changes by the quarter, almost by the month. It, that's, that's I mean that's what I understood. That's why I don't freak out if one month is worse than the, the than the last one because I know it's most likely gonna pick up now. If the, we go through a recession again, it will not source from real estate. So it could be a you know natural disaster, earthquake, or something like that that may change it, or something that could go crazy with the stock market and just banks not being able to to liquidate people's assets any plans for cash flow yeah the plan right now is to just capitalize on these flips although the return is not as fat as it used to be i mean i remember when we were doing flips in 2010 uh, my average return on any flip was about sixty thousand dollars you know, now I have to close like 10 of them because, you know, I'm averaging about 30000 each, you know. But, I mean, it's still pretty good, I think, because it keeps the, the money flowing and growing and we keep on making contact with more people. 
right now we are just looking at capitalizing just continue to to grow that piggy bank because it's just a matter of time where we're going to be able to position ourselves to acquire income property but not just yet income property out here in southern california yes because this is where we plan on living and i i personally probably wouldn't feel comfortable investing outside of southern california only because i'm not able to be around if something happens yeah and what's your what would be your asset that you prefer single family multifamily you know i i i like both i would probably prefer income because you have more doors and the ability to probably make a little more money multifamily you mean, uh you prefer yeah, multi, multifamily, yeah, multi-family uh, one to four units fourplex triplex duplexes definitely dude so you self-manage those rentals back in the day oh yeah i always manage all of them was that tough no man it's actually very simple i guess the only tough part it's not tough i think it's annoying it's when you start getting all these phone calls over little things, mostly repairs. Like, oh, my light doesn't work. And it's not the light not working. It's the bulb is out. Just There's a leak. No, it's not a leak. You're just not shutting it off properly. You know, stuff like that. Yeah, just getting those calls at midnight just sucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wait, would you, in the future, would you hire a property manager or just keep doing it yourself, self-manage? Uh, no, a property manager for sure. Really? Okay. Oh yeah. Okay. Very good. All right. So, is there anything you do differently back, like when you first started? Anything five, eight years ago you'd have done differently? Yeah. You know, I mean, looking back ten years ago, I really wish I had the vision to consider keeping a lot of those flips because a lot of those flips I bought them for pennies to the dollar. I mean, I remember I bought this house in Highland in San Bernardino County, and I picked it up. It was an ugly house on a big lot, big acre lot, and I picked it up for $10,000. But back then, you know, this is 2010. It's only been two years since the big crash. Right after the crash, I didn't sell anything for like eight months. So I had to like recapitalize. You know, I, I mean, I lost my homes. I have, I just needed money, you know. So I wasn't really thinking long term. I was just thinking right now, which is my biggest downfall. I wish I would have had like a big brother or a mentor to tell me, Michael, no, man, you need to hold on to that house because that house is going to exponentially increase in price. I bought the house on a Tuesday and I sold it on a Thursday for $22,000. Now, the same house is worth about $300,000. So what I could have done back then is just hold on to it, find probably another investor to help me rehabilitate it and clean it, put a good tenant in it, and split the profits later on. What do you think the rents are right now for that area? Well, this house was a two-bedroom, one-and-a-half bathroom. So rents are around... Sixteen ninety five to seventeen fifty. So you could easily rent it for about seventeen hundred dollars. So today you would have been getting sixteen hundred a month on a, a ten thousand, maybe twenty thousand dollar investment if you rehabbed it. Correct. We're talking about nine years ago, nine times twenty four is a lot. Nine times twenty four is two six two hundred sixteen months. They say an average rent 
from then to now with appreciation is about fourteen hundred dollars. Let's call it that much, okay? I would have made about three hundred and two thousand dollars just in rent. And then I decided to sell it right now, I would have made another three hundred thousand dollars on top of that. So see that I didn't know back then because when you're desperate and you need money, somehow you block your own brain. I probably wouldn't even need to work if I only saved like 10 of those houses if I didn't sell them. So if I could have done something different, I would have hold on to those houses. You had at least 10 of them, you said? Uh, yeah, I had at least 10 of them that ranged from $10,000 to $70,000. I bought a triplex for $72,000 once. That triplex is now worth about four hundred. dollars Rent's got to be what per per door today? Uh, well, the main house rents for eighteen hundred dollars, and the two little units in the back rent for a thousand dollars each. So thirty eight hundred. You know what I learned, dude? All the properties that I ever bought, they were within a neighborhood, never on a highway or a busy street, because it's just not desirable. Because I I I had a few rentals, man. And I learned that whenever you buy a house that is close to a school, dude, that's where you're going to find forever tenants. Mostly when they have young kids because they're setting themselves up to take them to that school. It's just a convenience factor too. There's a, there's a lot of people struggling finding deals, closing deals out here in Southern California. Do you have any advice to them? What would you say to, to a young guy starting uh, looking for deals out here? I would say consistency is key. Just choose one thing. You're young, you don't have any money to spend in marketing dollars, but you obviously have a car. You can go ahead and drive around your neighborhood or park your car and just walk. Just grab a freaking flyer, black and white, and just write on it, I buy houses. And just knock on the ugliest houses and just, if nobody answers, just leave your flyer and take a picture of that house. Then go ahead, do a follow-up letter, and then after that, go and knock on the house again and try to get either the phone number or the email address of that seller. And just do that every day, you know, Monday through Saturday. Live in a society where, you know, everybody wants everything like now. They want to get paid tomorrow, but they're not willing to do the work, you know. I mean, it really it's not like they show on TV or, you know, what a lot of these big guys talk about no you really have to like put those soldier boots on the ground and go go knocking you know go do it consistently you did a lot of door knocking right oh yeah man myself and my wife do door knocking uh, we found that when it's her and i people are more willing to talk to us because you know they see me and i got all this hair on my face my beard they probably get scared on me when i open the house the door but then they see my wife she's so cute and little and you know they're like oh okay yeah they open up and what we found that is the worst magic is that we show up and we always have something to give them and you know it's not a flyer with our information uh, we, we actually show up and we we bring him chocolates or like fruit or like a bottle of balsamic vinegar that we just bought like a thousand bottles wholesale you know, we show up with something. We're doing this within our community, and, and we love where we live, and, and we really take a lot of pride on the work that we do. And just by showing up with something, with a little 
present, even even if they are not interested, it says something about you. That's just listings as new clients, or are you talking about showing up to cold door knocking with a gift? Yeah, showing up cold door knocking, asking the question, hey, for the right price, would you list your house? Or have you considered selling your house to an investor that can pay you cash and close in 10 days? Assist, no broker fees. So, you know, we're showing up there as both realtors and investors. Are you doing it still today, door knocking? Oh, yeah. We just haven't been doing it lately because it's been so freaking hot. But now that the weather is changing, now it's time to get out there. Go door knocking. And door to door. That's what you, you would recommend somebody? Yeah, I do both. I do the door-to-door with my wife around listings that we just sold or neighborhoods that we like. And we door knock, hoping to get a listing or get to know the neighbors and put the word out about the Nugent Group. Or when it's just me, I'll go. I'll have my ugly black and white flyer offering, hey, I buy houses cash. you know, And I still take the picture of the house. And I still get that information and give it to my title rep to give me the lowdown on it and find out if I want to pursue or not. Because a lot of these houses are tenant occupied, you know, so they're never going to call you. If I get that information from my title rep, I'll find out who the owner is. I know where he lives and I will even get their phone number. So I can either go to their house and introduce myself if they're local or just send them a nice letter or card or call them. That's awesome, dude. So just a lot of just boots on the ground, grassroots getting out there. It's a lot of repetitive, boring work, you know, but it's all good when you're chilling in Hawaii for a couple of weeks, <laughs> you know, South America for a month with your family. Awesome. Great stories, man. Where can people find you, Mike? Well, uh, they can find me on Instagram under Nugent Group Real Estate. We have uh, a nice following there and you will see our new listings, bucket listings, and flips. You can also find me on Facebook at Nugent Group Real Estate. And then if you want to send me an email, you can find me at Mike can sell your home. Mike can sell your home at gmail.com. And you work with investors? Uh, yeah, myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I personally, I don't. Working with other investors is not the best use of my time uh, because thankfully I'm at a level now where I can just focus on what is producing the most money for my pocket. I think it's a great idea to work with investors. You just need to be very careful who you're working with because a lot of investors are like wannabe investors and they have no money. They're relying on a loan which is 100% financing, and they have no idea what they're getting themselves to. All right, that's another interview in the can. And if you want more audio interviews, expert advice, tips, and a free gift, head over to realestateaudios.com.